Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God, glory to God. Turn with me in your Bible tonight to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. And we were praying night before last, our Monday night prayer service, the Lord uh, spoke something to my heart uh, for us as a congregation and, and particularly for individuals. Now, I don't know who are the individuals, but it wasn't just a general uh, message. It was something that the Lord wants to say to certain individuals, and it's up to you to lay hold of it. Amen. And uh, I saw some things but I want to lay a foundation first, and then we'll get into that. But uh, God's got some good things for us, and he wants us to lay hold of it by faith. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12 here. <clears throat> Excuse me, did I say 12? I did. I have that written in my, in my notes here, 12. It's Hebrews 11, verse number 6. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. But without faith... It's impossible to please him. Who, anybody know who him is? God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not those who just hang around. Amen. He rewards those who diligently seek him and we seek him with our faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Isn't that right? So all the blessings of God come to us as a result of our faith. Go over with me to James, the first chapter, James chapter one. If any of you lack wisdom, verse five says, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without approach. Now you notice it must be wisdom it must be God's will for you to have wisdom because he says he gives to all liberally without, a, without reproach. Well, he wouldn't give it to all if it wasn't his will. Isn't that right? Even though wisdom is his will, he says you still have to ask him for it. Isn't that right? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, he, he, he didn't categorically say you wouldn't receive anything. He said, just don't think you will. You have no right to think you will. Sometimes God in his mercy will do some things for us, even when we're not really doing what we should. Amen. I mean, the Bible says God gives, you know, breath, to, to even the unsaved and rain and so forth. So God blesses everybody way beyond what they deserve. And he often blesses us even when we're not maybe exercising the, the highest degree of faith. But he said, you got no reason to think he's going to. If you ask him for something, you need to ask in faith. Because uh, uh, more times than not, we're not going to receive our needs met unless we actively stand in faith, ask in faith. And that means to believe we receive. See, the blessing of God doesn't come on us just automatically, even though God has conferred blessing on us. 
even though blessing belongs to us, it won't come on us. We won't receive the, the reality of it. We won't experience the reality of it unless we operate in faith. Isn't that right? All of the promises of God are to be received by faith and they become real in the lives of the believer who will dare take God at his word. Amen? Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you about faith for favor and promotion. Faith for favor and promotion. Now, according to the dictionary, and I looked up this up some time ago, uh, and I don't remember which dictionary it was, but favor as a noun, it means friendly or kind regard. Or, second definition, goodwill. A third definition, approval. And I like this fourth definition, it's unfair partiality. So, well, is God unfair? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see in a few minutes. We'll find out if there's unfair partiality with God or not. Uh, as a verb, favor means to prefer or to be partial to. And the uh, phrase to be favored means to be regarded or treated with favor or it means provided with advantages. And then three, it means specially privileged. Do you feel privileged tonight? Amen. God is a God who gives advantage to his own. God does not keep or maintain a level playing field uh, where his children are concerned. We have advantage over the ungodly. We have an advantage over those who don't know God. Very early, God said that he would make a difference between his people and the people of the world. And so he is partial and, and uh, 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 exercise partiality towards us. Amen. Well, let's look here in uh, the Old Testament for, for uh, some uh, passages just in general that talk about the blessing of the righteous where favor is concerned. Turn with, with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 5, verse number 12. Psalm 5, 12. Psalm 5, 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous... With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. It says here that the Lord will bless the righteous. Well, well I would say so. If you're righteous, you're already blessed. I mean, it's a blessing just to be made righteous. So this is something in addition to basic salvation because righteousness comes with basic salvation. Matter of fact, basic salvation equals righteousness. Isn't that right? So once you're blessed, then he said he'll bless you with something else. He said, oh, you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous. And here's, here's the blessing he's talking about. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Well, everybody knows what a shield is for. A shield is, a, is some means of protection. I don't care if it's a shield on a battlefield or uh, what kind of a shield it is. It's, it's used for protection. That's inherent in the, in the meaning of a shield. God said he would surround the, fa the, the righteous with favor as a shield. You know, that's exactly what Job had around him and he didn't know it. And because he didn't know it, he couldn't access it in time of trouble. Go with me over to Job and look at uh, what the word says about this man. Now, Job, you might recall, uh, 
historically lived sometime about the same time Abraham did. There's no uh, uh, indication that they knew each other, but Bible historians believe that uh, their lives were, uh, that they existed at about, you know, somewhat close to the same time in history. And Job was a, was a righteous man. He was a man by God's own testimony that feared him and that walked upright in, in all of his conduct. And it says in chapter one, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Have you found Job one? The Lord said to Satan, from where do you, where do you come? Where you, where you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Satan answered the Lord and said, does, fear, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan saw in the, in, in the spirit realm that God had put a hedge of protection, a shield around Job because the Bible says the Lord will, will surround the righteous with favor as a shield. So this favor, this blessing, that uh, this hedge that was around Job was not only around him, it was around his household and all that he had on every side. That means all of his possessions, everything he owned, everything having to do with Job was blessed. And, and God, in, in the realm of the spirit, God had proclaimed blessing on him, favor on him. Because now Job wasn't a righteous man like you and I are uh, because uh, he had not been redeemed by the blood of Jesus yet but he was walking in all the light he had. He was a man of faith where God was concerned. Now he was not a man of faith where all of his activities were concerned. But in his walk with God, you have to understand the Bible had not been written. Moses uh, is likely the author of the book of Job. We don't know for sure, but it was authored uh, well past uh, Job's lifetime. Job didn't write the book. Somebody received this information about him by revelation, but there was no Bible in Job's day. There was no revelation of God in Job's day other than what God made real to this man's heart as this man had a hunger for God and, and began to search after God in his own heart. God responded to him and he walked up right before him and God accredited that to him as righteousness. And as a result of that, he surrounded him and everything he had in his household, his children, not only his, not only his children in his household, but his grown married children in their households. There was, a, there was a shield around him. That tells every one of us that's what is around us. I mean, how much more? We have a better covenant. He didn't even have a covenant. He wasn't even righteous the way we were. He, he was just righteous, declared righteous because of, his, because of his heart towards God. He hadn't experienced redemption. There was a shield of favor, of protection around him. It's around every one of us. It's around you. It's around your children. It's, it's around their families. 
But you know what? If you don't know about it, you can't access it in time of trouble. The Lord said, uh, uh, the devil went on to say, he said, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. <coughs> the Lord said to Satan, now notice what he said and what he didn't say. Behold, all that he has is in your power, literally in your hand. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Job went out from the presence of the Lord. The Lord didn't say, I haven't put a hedge around him. The Lord didn't contradict what Satan said. What Satan said was true. There was a hedge of protection around Job. God had placed it around him and around his household and his possessions and everything he had. God had placed a, 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 a shield of protection around him. Satan saw it, but evidently Job didn't see it. And, and what the Lord said to Satan is, behold, all that he has is in your power, in your hand. That's simply because Satan is the God of this world. Everything, everything Job had was in this world. Isn't that right? All of, his, all of his possessions were in this world. Job's physical body was in this world. His children were in this world. So, so everything he had was in the realm where Satan is God. Now, it, it appears to me that maybe Satan didn't know that. Maybe Satan didn't quite know yet that he was the God of this world because the Lord said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just running here and there. I mean, it doesn't even sound like the devil had a lot to do. He said, the Lord said to Satan, where'd you come from? He said, just going to and fro on the earth, walking back and forth on it. Everybody thinks the devil, you know, is this super intelligence, you know, spiritual being that he just knows everything. He's not the sharpest tack in the drawer. Now, 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 let me put this in balance. He is a very high, he is a created spirit being created on a very high level as far as created beings go. But when it comes to the basic things that you and I understand, he's not so sharp on all of that. I mean, he really thought that he could throw God out of heaven. Talk about delusional. So, you know, and even though he is a, 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 an awesome, in, in some sense of the word, he's a very awesome uh, spiritual creature. You know, we give him way too much credit for knowing a lot about how God deals with man and how God deals with us. Because the God, see, all, all Satan could see was that spiritual shield around him and God had to, to say, well, you know, he's in this world and you're, you're the God of this world. It's in your hand. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord to attack Job. And he was very successful in his attacks. But the reason he was successful in his attacks is because Job didn't know what he had. He had this shield of protection around him, this hedge of protection around him, but he wasn't using his mouth to, to enforce it. 
He wasn't using his faith. Either he didn't know about it or he didn't know how to exercise faith in it because he was doing all the wrong things and saying all the wrong things. As soon as all of these calamities befell Job, here's what he said. Naked, verse, this is verse 21, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He totally missed it. Now I know that's quoted at funerals all the time. And, and, it, and it just about any other uh, tragedy and, and, and sad time that people can think of, preachers will get up and quote, you know, what Job said here. You know, just because Job said it doesn't make it true. It's truly recorded that he said it, but what he said wasn't true. The Lord did give, but the Lord didn't take away. So you can see where Job was missing it. You can see where though, though the devil didn't understand the opportunity he had to attack Job, Job also didn't understand the protection that was his and the fact that God had placed a hedge about him, a shield of favor around him. He didn't know it and the first time he was attacked, he gave it up. He said, well, you know, it was nice while it lasted basically what he said. It was nice while it lasted. The Lord gave, the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, verse 22 is really enlightening. It said, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. In all of this, well, in all of this what? What did he do? What, what was it that he did that could have been perceived as charging God wrong? What, what did Job do? What, what was all this that Job did that could be regarded as sin? The only thing he did was open his mouth and say the wrong thing. But because he didn't know any better, see, see, if you said in your time of trouble, well, it was good while it lasted. You know, we enjoy the blessings. Shall, shall we not enjoy the blessings of the Lord? And shall we not enjoy evil from his hand as well? If you and I say something like that, that's sin. Because we ought to know better. Isn't that right? And Christians say that all the time. And they're sinning with their mouth and they're charging God foolishly all the time. It happens all the time. They're charging every time God makes somebody sick. Every time there's a, 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 a trouble in somebody's life, people will say, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, you just have to trust God. He knows what he's doing, honey. You know, he's got a plan for you. And this is just all part of his secret plan. See, we can't get away with that. In all this nonsense, in all of this foolishness that came out of his mouth, yet he did not sin or charge God with wrong because he didn't know any better. If you go on over to the third chapter, when uh, he finally had an opportunity to really vent, <laughs> if, you, if you read all of Job's writing, you can see that uh, he, he had some mixed up ideas. And he began to vent about all of his trouble. And he said this in, in chapter three, verse 25. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest for trouble comes. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. See, he was in the devil's hands because of Satan being the God of this world, but he was also in the devil's hands in the sense that he was walking in fear. 
He evidently, by his own statement here, he greatly, he had greatly feared these things would happen to him and to his family and to his possessions. This is something he had had a fear about for a long time. And not only a fear, he had a dread. It, it, it seems that Job wasn't even able to enjoy fully the blessing that he had because he had this awful dread all the time uh, 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 and fear that I'm going to lose all of this. This is just too good to be true. So you can see he was in a very difficult situation. But the thing I want you to see, in spite of his fear, in spite of his dread, in spite of his lack of understanding, God had placed a hedge of protection about him. All he had to do was, was, was shape up and start saying the right thing. Now we could excuse him because he didn't have a lot of revelation, but we do. God has put, it doesn't matter where, where the devil is. It doesn't matter that Satan is the God of this world. As long as you know that God has, has blessed you with favor, that favor is yours, that, that God surrounds you with favor as a shield, if you'll act on that, you, you can't be passive about it. You have to act on that. Amen. We're living in a time where, uh, you know, we, we've, we've studied these things and rejoiced in these things and, and, and uh, reveled in these things for years and years and years. And now, you know, in the last two and a half years, we've been hit with a time in our economy where, you know, we, 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 these things we learned were for this time. Yes. They're for this day. Yes. And, and these are the things that will put us over, but we have to exercise our faith. Yes. We have to agree with God. See, I think a lot of Christians are living in fear and in dread. They're just dreading the day. You know, the layoffs keep coming up the ladder. What's going to happen? No. Get a revelation of what God's done. It doesn't matter what's going on with your company, with your business, with your personal finances. It doesn't matter what it looks like. There is a hedge around you. There is a hedge of favor around you. And, and these are days where, where we, have to, we must step up and start living in that place of victory. Amen. <clears throat> Go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. I'm gonna have to go quickly through these. Psalm 84, verse number 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is the New King James. The NIV translation says, the, where it says the Lord will give grace and glory. The NIV says the Lord bestows favor and honor. That's just what he does. Go with me to Proverbs, the third chapter. Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs 3, verse 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor, now listen, and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Remember the definitions of favor. To be 
kindly regarded, to be provided with advantages, to be especially privileged, uh, to have goodwill and approval. Well, it says here that not only in the sight of God, but in the sight of man. Do you know that's something that belongs to every believer? God bestows favor. And all we have to do is let not mercy and truth forsake them, you, us, excuse me, bind them around our neck, write them on the tablet of our heart. In other words, keep, keep the things of God uh, where they ought to be in your life. Mercy, truth, living right, believe in God, exercising faith. He said, if you'll do those things, you'll find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Well, that has some real implications in the world in which we live. See, we're not supposed to be men pleasers. We're God pleasers. But when we're God pleasers, then God makes people line up with us. That's what the Bible says. In Proverbs 16, turn over there. Proverbs 16, verse number seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, I know you and I are not supposed to have enemies. I remember something Oral Roberts said years ago. Somebody was interviewing him on TV. This is way back in the 80s. And this was right after he had built the, you know, the 60-story uh, uh, city of faith. And uh, in all of the years that Oral Roberts maintained his ministry in Tulsa, the religious community and the unsaved political uh, community in that city were constantly after him. I mean, he was constantly criticized in the press and, and uh, by a few people, but they were very vocal. I mean, have you know that uh, a few loudmouths are the ones that get all the attention? So there are a lot of people in Oklahoma that are very, I mean, that's, that's the buckle of the Bible Belt. You know, and so uh, he was well received by a lot of people and brought a, a lot of money really into that town with his university and everything. But when he built that city of faith, he would just really come under a, a, an attack of, of criticism. But anyway, this, this person was interviewing him on TV and, he, and what he said, it's always stuck with me. This person said something about uh, his enemies. You know, how did he, I don't know, something about how did he feel about his enemies or how did he respond and and he, he, he had this puzzled look on his face. He said, he said, I don't have any enemies. I didn't know I had any enemies. Because he, he was, such, he was a, a man of such uh, 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 stature and magnanimity that he didn't look around and, and take uh, account of all the people that were attacking him. And I just thought that was a very powerful thing to say. And, and you could tell from his expression, he was being completely honest. He said, I don't, I, didn't, I don't have any enemies. Now, there were some people that thought he was an enemy, but he didn't think they were enemies. That's a balance. That's the balance we need to keep. There are some people who might think they're your enemies, but God said he'll work on, their, on your behalf and, and cause them to love you. He'll, he'll, he'll put them, bring them into a peaceful relationship with us just because we walk up right before God. We don't have any enemies. 
and God's working on the enemies, on the people who think we're their enemy. Hallelujah, that's good. Hallelujah. Proverbs 8, 35. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. We need to get it settled once and for all, we have favor. We've been encompassed about with favor like a shield, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, in, in, uh, in the New Testament, we see some real dramatic examples of favor. Go with me, first of all, to the passage most people would think of, Luke chapter five, speaking about Jesus. If you study the, just run the, the reference of favor, in the New Testament, this is the first scripture you'll come to, and, and it's a good one. I like it. Chapter 2. Did I say chapter 5? I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 52. Hallelujah. Let me find it. What in the world am I doing here? <laughs> Hallelujah. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, he grew and increased in wisdom and stature. That's because he took on flesh and became a human being and he had, uh, he had to go through the stages of growth just as a human being, as a person, just like all of us do. And he grew in wisdom and he grew in stature and he grew in favor he became more and more in favor, not only with God, but with man by, by the things that he learned and the, and, the, and the way that he lived. Now, you know Jesus was probably a goody two-shoes. I mean, you know, kids are prone to get into things. That's just part of, uh, of growing up. And that kids tend to be, be uh, mischievous and, and get into things and do things. Jesus never did. Now, how do you think that made him... Uh, what his reputation of on the schoolyard. Huh? But he overcame that by just keeping on doing what's right, doing what's right, doing what's right. Even the bullies came over onto his side. See? See, even the people that, the, the school kids that mocked him and, and, and tried to, to, to uh, ambush him, tried to get him to, he won them over. He grew in, in favor with God and man. Now, in his adult life, we read very often about the conflicts that Jesus experienced. You know, he was, he was con there was constantly a conflict, but who was the conflict with? It was with the religious rulers. Isn't that right? It really wasn't with the, the Roman officials. The Romans were duped into the crucifixion, Okay. They were drawn into that. They really didn't have anything to, 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 to say about Jesus. In fact, uh, Herod liked to talk to him. But the religious people constantly badgered him and badgered him and badgered I tell you, religion is one of the most devilish things. The, I'm talking about the religious bigot, the religious uh, 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 person that's just so bound up with, with their traditions and their own ways. They really don't have a heart for God. They just have a heart for their traditions. And he ran, he had conflict with them all the, with, with those kinds of people all the time. But, but look at Mark chapter 12. This is something we don't really uh, credit 
to him or, or take note of as often as we should about his life and ministry. In Mark chapter 12, just, uh, just after Jesus had said some things and had some conflicts with different teachers and rulers and all, the latter part of verse number 37 says, and the common people heard him gladly. See, the common people always loved Jesus. The common man loved Jesus. They, they came out on foot by the, by the you know, tens of thousands just to come out and stay for days just to hear him teach. Of course, he, he ministered to them. He loved them. He showed them the love of God. Jesus had an enormous amount of favor in this life. Say, so, well, he ended up on a cross. Well, that was God's plan. God allowed that to happen to fulfill the, the plan of redemption. And, and you say, well, the people turned against him. Well, they were coerced though. They were, they were deceived and coerced by the, by, by the Jewish people, uh, the Jewish leaders and so forth. And, and you know, they were, they were flaky. People, they're just like today, they're flaky. And, and they'll just turn and go whichever, you know, wherever there's a basket of food, they'll go, you know. Isn't that right? No, Jesus had tremendous favor with people. And, uh, and then the early church, of course, had the, the Christians in the early church were blessed with supernatural favor. You all know Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. Let's read it. Acts 2, 46 and 47. So continually de continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice when, when the church was, was uh, the power of God was flowing, when the church was, was doing what it should be doing and just praising God. I, this was a time of, of, of just wonderful excitement. And the Christians were just praising God and enjoying his blessing. And, and it said the, the, uh, they had favor with all the people. See, unbiased people will still favor anybody who's doing right. Isn't that right? Now, I know there are some wicked people in the world who want to argue and fight, but remember, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace. So instead of getting, becoming focused on the negative, we need to be focused on the positive. You don't have to exercise any faith for the negative things to happen. You don't, you don't have to believe God for persecution because it's gonna come. No, what God wants us to do is believe God for the favor because that's what he's promised us. Isn't that right? Now, a lot of times we, we also think of the apostle Paul as a man who endured much trouble and, 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 and tribulation. Paul, in, in some of his writings, boasted about his trouble. He talked about his imprisonments, his beatings, and his, and his hunger and thirsting and being uh, 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 abandoned and uh, just, I mean, he just, I mean, just an old litany of, of things. But he never, if you go back, and, and we don't have time to do it tonight, if you go back and look at it, you put it in context, he never shared those things with those churches, A, uh, in a, in a uh, uh, self-pitying way, he wasn't just complaining. He never did it to complain. The only thing, the only reason he did that was to show them that he had suffered these things for their benefit and that God loved them enough that he sent ministers like Paul and others 
and, and sometimes to correct their wrong attitudes about him. But he never did it to complain about his trouble. But because he did write about it, a lot of times we, we just think, well, you know, Paul was just, he had just so much trouble. And we do know that he wrote in 2 Corinthians, you know, that because of the abundance of the revelations that had been given to him, that uh, uh, there had been given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And we know that that's not sickness and disease. It wasn't sickness and disease. That's what tradition says that it was. It wasn't. <clears throat> Tells us exactly what it was. It was a messenger of Satan, an angel of Satan. In other words, a demon spirit or uh, angelic evil spirit of some kind that was sent to trouble him. And everywhere Paul went, we read about how the religious people, the same people that gave Jesus trouble, followed Paul around and stirred up trouble everywhere he went. Well, well we think about those things and, and we think about it in Jesus's life. We don't focus enough and, and, and pay attention enough to the fact that because Jesus was righteous and his ways pleased the Lord, that uh, he had a lot of favor coming his way. Well, Paul had a lot of favor coming his way. And, and sometimes you can read over these things, but I, today I just you know, started recollecting in my mind and, and, uh, and, and came up with some scriptures that, that show some, some real amazing favor. Go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Now, you know, the messenger of Satan stirred up opposition there in Philippi. That's what happened in the 16th chapter of uh, Acts. Paul was in Philippi and he started a church there. Demon possessed girls possessed with the spirit of divination was uh, delivered. He got thrown into prison, beaten, put in prison, put in stocks. So that doesn't sound like a whole lot of favor. Well, well wait a minute. You know what happened? They began to sing and praise God. Well, what gave, remember when the church, the early church, as they praised the Lord, they had favor. Isn't that right? See, if we'll keep praising God in everything, that's, that, that favor begins to kick in. If you won't get off on the negative side and stay on the positive side and keep thanking God and thanking God and praising God, that favor can begin to work in any situation. And we know that the prison doors, you know, there was a big earthquake, shook the prison doors, all, everybody, all the doors flew open, everybody's bands came loose. I mean, that's supernatural. Now, earthquakes don't cause shackles to come off of people. It causes roofs to fall in. Isn't that right? No, they were all set free and, the, and the, uh, the jailer who was watching them, he knew or he thought that surely all of the prisoners have escaped. And rather than, than, than face uh, the, the officials, he said, I'm just gonna fall on my sword and take my life because that would be better than to face the, 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 the horrible treatment I'm gonna receive at the hands of, of my superiors. And so he started to, to fall on his sword and, and Paul and Silas said, hold on a minute, wait a minute, we're all here. None of the prisoners had, had fled. He said, even he'll, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Now, you, you know, you, you think that here you are, you're in prison, other people are in prison. Usually, as a usual thing, the people in prison aren't the best people in society. Now I know Everybody in prison says, yeah, but I'm different, but you know they're not, okay? <laughs> the majority of the people in there, thank God they're in there, okay? They're in there for a reason. They haven't done right. And, and uh, you would think they wouldn't want to be listening to Paul and Silas. But while they were praising God, God gave Paul and Silas 
favor with all of those hardened criminals. No telling how long some of those people had been in there. So much so that when the doors flew open and their bands popped off, they didn't want to leave. That's favor. I mean, that's, un that's uncommon favor. Now, not only that, you know, the, the, the jailer came in and Paul said, oh, you know, don't, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And uh, we know the story. I've just got a couple of scriptures, you know, typed out here so I don't have the full text. But you know what happened there, that uh, uh, the jailer and his household, everybody was saved. That, isn't that right? Now, in verse 33 and 34, he says, he took them, that is Paul and Silas, the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. This is the prison guard who's entrusted with, with keeping the, the dregs of society. I mean, the worst of the worst. I, I've known people who've worked in the, in the state prison system. And, it, and sometimes it can be such an oppressive job if you have to actually work in there, you know, with the population. Because you deal with such gnarly, just nasty, demonic people that it's just oppressive. And it's the, they're, they're the last kind of people you want to hang around with. But he took Paul and Silas in the middle of the night, remember it was about midnight, and washed their stripes. The jailer washed their stripes. That tells me they hadn't been washed. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced having believed in God with all of his household. That goes beyond someone's ordinary salvation experience. He's, he was afraid that if the prisoners got out, he would lose his life. And now he's brought the prisoners into his home washed their, their wounds, fed them in the middle of the night. What in the world is he thinking? Nobody does that. No, that's favor. That's favor. I don't care how bad the situation gets, favor will turn it around. It turned it around. Hallelujah. Go over to the 27th chapter of Acts. The 27th chapter of Acts is the story of, of uh, Paul en route to Rome as a prisoner. He had some tremendous favor as a prisoner. In uh, 27, chapter 27, the end of chapter 26, Agrippa says to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar, so we're shipping him off to Caesar. Chapter 27, verse 1. When it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramidium, we, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. Now, now Julius is a centurion. He is a career soldier. Okay? He, he's, not a, he's not a peon. He's not a, a, a buck private. He's a centurion. He knows the, the 
uh, military system. He knows even more so than that jailer did what happens to people who are irresponsible with their prisoners, okay? And, and later we find that the, that the other soldiers on board under his command were getting ready to kill the prisoners. So that's what they thought of prisoners, okay? But it says the next day we landed at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. You know, while we're in port, just, just run on. Yeah, go visit your friends. Just, you know, have a nice day. Are you kidding me? Yeah, just come on back. You know, we're leaving at a such and such time. Prisoner, you know, go on. Go about your way. Have a nice day. Bring me something. <laughs> That's crazy. Nobody does that except the one who has favor. He's a prisoner and he's being treated like the, like the, the centurion's best friend. He said, yeah, go, go your way. Just come back. And, and he did. And so, you, you, know, you, you know the rest of the story. Paul gave his advice uh, because he had a witness in his spirit that they should not uh, uh, launch at the time they did, but they ignored that. That tells you that these guys weren't just uh, duped, you know, by Paul. I mean, they weren't just totally uh, enamored by his presence and, you know, uh, totally persuaded in, in, a, in a, uh, an unthinkable way because he gave his advice. They didn't take it. Okay? So they went their way. We know that the ship, you know, got into trouble and storm at sea and so forth. And, and uh, so, you know, they had decided to, to throw everything overboard. And then they were going to, when they finally got close to an island, they were going to run aground. And, and they were afraid that when they run aground, that all, the pis, all of the prisoners, you know, would get free. And so the soldiers were going to kill all the prisoners. That's what they thought of prisoners. It made no difference what, why you were a prisoner. And in verse number 42, says the prisoner's plan or the soldier's plan, rather, was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. You know, that's pretty crude. I mean, give the, give the rats a, a chance at sea at least. I mean, they're, they're in the middle of the sea. The boat's falling apart. You're gonna sit there and shoot at them or whatever you're gonna do. Let the, you know, that's inhumane. Let them at least try to survive. Kill them when they get to shore. <laughs> That's, that's the kind of people we were talking about. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. So you see God's favor where Paul was concerned. Now, when they, when they made it to shore, verse number 20, chapter 28, verse 1, when they had escaped, they, they, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us and Luke is, is included in this, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, favor, favor, unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. So, so because Paul's ways pleased the Lord, even though he had, we read about all this trouble that happened to him all the time. In the middle of that, some marvelous experiences of just supernatural favor also followed him. Amen? And so, you know, they, they, uh, they gave, they showed unusual kindness towards them. 
And in verse number seven, it says, in that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island. Now, this evidently wasn't, wasn't the ruler of the island. This was a, 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 you know, a, a civilian. The leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. You know, if you gotta be on your way to prison, this, he had a pretty good deal of it, you know. Shipwreck or no shipwreck. Talk about God taking the, the, the things that the enemy meant for, for destruction and turning them for good. God does that for those who he favors. Amen. And uh, it says, so Paul went into him. Uh, it's, no, in verse number eight it says, so happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed. He laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So I just want to show you, even in a life of Paul, who suffered uh, tremendous persecution uh, at the hands of the enemy and the hands of religious people, in the midst of all of that, God was still working and showing favor and blessing. So every time the enemy came in to bring destruction and to bring hardship and heartache, God would always answer with an unusual blessing. And he would just, you know, just enjoy the blessing of God. Listen, you can have the blessing of God in the middle of anything. I don't care how hard it is, how bad it is. Keep praising God and know that God has encompassed you with, with favor as a shield. Keep thanking God and something marvelous is going to happen. Something's going to change, praise God. Well, I, I'm going to run out of time here if I'm not careful. Uh, I have some scriptures how God favored the Israelites. And so I'll, I'll just read these to you. And you, if you can turn real fast to them, you, you can follow me. But I doubt you'll be able to turn this fast. Exodus 3.21, this is when the children of Israel were leaving uh, Egypt. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. See, that's that, uh, that's that unfair partiality we were talking about. Isn't that right? And then it happened in Exodus 12, 35 and 36. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. You have to remember these were slaves. The Israelites were the, were the, were the slaves of the rest of, of the people of, of Egypt. These were, the, these were the, 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 the people who had nothing, who had no claim to anything. These were the people who were the least regarded in society. Suddenly, all of the, uh, of the well-to-do people, all of the cool people are just lavishing all of their stuff on these slaves. It's favor. And then Psalm 44, verse three, talking about this and how they conquest uh, how they conquered the land for they in verse 40 chapter 44 verse 3 says for they did not gain possession of the land by their sword nor did their own arms save them you know they did use their sword when the children of Israel went in 
to the land of Canaan, they used their swords. They killed a whole lot of people. They ran some people out, didn't they? See, God, God, just, God just needs us to, to do what we're supposed to do because that shows obedience and faith. He really doesn't need what you're doing. He doesn't really need your eight hours to bless you. He expects you to work it because it's right. But you have to understand, God's not, God's not looking at the clock. God, God blesses you because he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to redeem you and he just wants you to do right so he can keep on blessing you. Amen. Amen. So they, it says, God's word on this says they did not gain possession of the land by their sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance because you favored them. Hallelujah. Now, favor, faith for favor and promotion. We know Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We know what the blessing of Abraham includes. It includes a lot of things, but one thing it includes is that he would bless all of the work of our hands. Isn't that right? That everything we put our hand to, he would bless. That's part of the blessing of Abraham. That's part of the favor of God. Now, in, uh, this is a scripture that, and this is beginning to get into to what the Lord was, was sharing with me on, Tuesday, uh, excuse me, on Monday night. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7 from the older King James says, Promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Promotion, this is the word that the, that the Lord ministered to me Monday night. Promotion doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from God. Now, well, and let me say it this way. The promotion you're after doesn't come from man. You can get promotion from man, but it's, it's like a vapor. It can leave just as soon as it shows up. No, we won't. It's God is the one who really gives his people favor. Isn't that right? And you all need to see yourselves in your jobs, in your workplace, in your business, whatever it is. You need to see yourself as having the favor of the Lord. Because if we, if we don't take our stand and exercise faith in the blessings of God, we won't enjoy the benefit of them. But if we will, see, favor belongs to you. Do you on the job, I'm not saying, if there are other Christians there, they've got the same thing going for them. But, but you know, it's gonna work for the person who knows how to put it to work. And, and what I saw in the spirit, I saw some of you guys running your companies. The companies that you work for. I saw you running them. I saw promotions taking place in, in certain individuals' lives and they moved from where they were and they moved to the top and were running the company. You say, well, I, I don't think I'm capable of running the company. Well, well you better start studying. You better start finding out what to, well, can you run your department? Probably. 
Well, if, if, you'll, if you'll receive this word from the Lord, move to the head. God wants you to take over where you work. I don't mean that in, a, in an ugly sense. God wants to move you to the top. That's promotion comes from the Lord. Now, you know you have to be a good employee. See, I proved this out, and I'm gonna run over a few minutes, but I proved this out years ago. When I, when I first started to work, the first real job I had was with the telephone company. And I went to work in uh, June, the first of June, well, the end of May, I guess, in 1970. And I, and I went in, uh, you know, at the, at, the, at the lowest level of the workforce. It was a good job, but it was at the bottom. And, and I went in, uh, and at that time, I wasn't serving God, wasn't living for God. And there was a union there. The unions weren't as strong. They're not nearly as strong now. Not nearly as many people are in unions now as they were 40 years ago. But... Uh, even though, even then, 40 years ago, they weren't as strong as they had been in times past in, in our nation's history. But uh, the union was fairly strong. I, I became, you know, I, the union uh, negotiated some good benefits for me. So I felt, you know, I should join the union because I'm getting the benefit of these pay, uh, you know, contractual pay raises and these sort of things. And so I didn't have a problem with that. And uh, I, was, I was a little bit of a, of a troublemaker, not, not really. It wasn't that I did anything to cause trouble. You just have to understand this was 1970. And I waited for six months because after six months, then they couldn't fire you without you really doing something wrong. And so I waited and, 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 and kept my, my nose clean for six months. And then after six months, I just didn't get a haircut again for, what, two years. Not a scissor didn't touch my hair. And again, this is 1970. And, you know, the, that, that kind of long-haired, you know, radical kind of thing, it was everywhere in America, but it wasn't mainstream. And all the guys that I worked with, you know, were World War II veterans and, and people like my dad, you know, and they, all, and they didn't like it. And, and so even though I wasn't doing anything to, to, to really stir up trouble, my politics got me in trouble because I was a, a liberal, you know, radical, had a lot of crazy ideas and I like to spout off a lot. And so that didn't, you know, didn't set well with the people I worked with. And so I found out after the six months or after, you know, another six months, my hair started getting long and everything. And I found out that, that the, that management was trying to get rid of me, but they couldn't get rid of me because of the contract unless I did something wrong. So what, finally, one day I'm, I'm working, I'm working in the big, you know, switch house, the big house, you know, just, you know, making electrical connections, you know. And this guy come up and he said, he said, Anderson, he said, I'm just wanna, uh, I don't know if you know this or not. He said, I was just over in the other end of the building and I heard a couple of supervisors talking and they're laying for you and they're trying their best to fire you. And so they're counting every connection you make. They're coming behind you at the end of the day and counting up how many hundreds little wire connections you've made. And if you don't make a certain amount, they're going to fire you. So I got real busy, you know, and, and, and made sure I was, you know, doing what I was supposed to do. And I, and I, and I worked, you know, reasonably hard. I mean, I, I was kind of guy, I didn't mind hard work. I showed up, I put in eight hours, I went home. But uh, when I got into fe- back into fellowship with the Lord, my heart changed. My whole attitude about work changed. And I saw then that it was the right thing to do to do my best 
See, I hadn't been doing my best. I was doing enough, but I wasn't doing my best. And, and, it was, and, and just a change in my heart made me want to do good, made me want to be a good employee. I, and it wasn't, it was not uh, uh, an attempt to brown nose or anything like that. It was just, I, 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 I suddenly began to have pride in my work. And I wanted to do my, my, the best uh, work I could, I could do. And so uh, as, as people began to notice that, even though I was in, in my particular division, which included I don't, hundreds, I guess, four or 500 men who were working in, in the same organization that I was in, I was widely known as that radical guy, that long-haired, smart aleck, you know, hippie freak guy, okay? And, but I had a nice personality. And, and people, guys at work were always trying to get at me, you know, and pick at me and stuff. But I'd always laugh, you know, and just roll with it and they'd laugh. And so it really wasn't mean-spirited a lot of times. It was just, just agitation, you know, and except for my boss was trying to fire me. Uh, <laughs> but when I got it back into fellowship with the Lord, all that changed and very quickly, the word began to spread around the company. Anderson's got religion. And people would come by to, you know, to, and they'd ask me questions and, and try to figure out what's going on, you know. But it very, my, my reputation changed very, very rapidly. And my stature and, and, and the way management saw me changed. Now, and, and, and a lot of it, of course, was because I started, you know, doing what I should have been doing all along. But even beyond that, God began to work supernaturally. You know, because we had a union, uh, on, on, you had certain pay raises that came to you automatically every six months or a year or whatever. I don't remember what it was, but those were contractual. But moving from one pay scale to another, to another was not contractual. That, that was based simply on merit. And the whole nine years I was there, I was constantly moving up from one pay scale to the next pay, till, to the next pay scale uh, just because God blessed me. And I didn't have an attitude about, about the union. I wasn't anti-union. I paid my dues. But they had these crazy rules. When, 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 you, when you were hired on the phone company, you were issued this little leather tool pouch and belt. And it had... You know, two, two screwdrivers and two different kinds of pliers and some wire cutters and stripping tools. And that was your official, you know, it's what was given to you. And so you're required to take that from job to job, from building to building, wherever they sent you to work. But then on a, on a job in a, in a big auto, uh, uh, building, in a switching office, there was other tools that the company had to bring out. And it was big black, you know, these big black suitcases looking things of specialty tools and other stuff and drills and pan saws and all kinds of stuff, you know. Well, the union said, you know, you don't, you don't, we don't carry any of that stuff in our car. Uh, you only carry your leather tool pouch. You, you'd make the company carry all that stuff. Well, I was in a situation where I got, I started working in PBXs and I was going from job to job to job, small businesses all over town. And it just made, it was stupid for the company to hire a courier service to carry all this stuff around, follow me around from job to job. So I just said, I'll just take it with me. I got in, I took so much grief from the union guys because Anderson's that scab over there and he's carrying all those tools in his car. But you know, I didn't do that to, to uh, try to brown those. If it was good for the company, it was good for me. 
That's all I thought. I mean, it's stupid. And why, why not save the company some money? But you know what? I proved that favor. If you would do your job and be a valuable employee, favor would work. When the layoff time came, do you remember when that was? 77, something like that. There was a major layoff in our company. And according to rules established by the union and agreed to by, by management, they had to lay people off by seniority. They went right up to my seniority and right past my seniority and I kept working. Me and one other guy in the company stayed on of, of hundreds of people, another man and, and me stayed on. The other man was the brother-in-law of like the fourth level supervisor. So we know why he stayed on. I didn't know anybody. Favor worked for me because I believed God, I was living right, but I was also a good employee. And then, you know, God called me into the ministry and I, and I left. If I hadn't, I'd have been running the place now. Well, I'd been retired by now, but uh, I would have ended up running the place. I know it. You will too. That's what God wants. God wants you to take over your companies. I need you, I want you to begin to envision yourself going to the top of your department. If you work for somebody, if you work for a company, I mean just being, being promoted as far as a person can possibly be promoted. It's for you. Amen. If you own your own business, you need to see that God has encompassed you with favor and your business and deals will come your way that don't come to other people. Because God honors his own children and with favor, he encompasses you. In your private business, you need to see that everywhere you go, God has a better deal for you. And I'm not talking about being cheap. I'm not talking about, you know, bargaining somebody out of their Christmas, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want everybody to survive. I want everybody to do well. But God has a way of getting deals to you and me. You ask this woman over here, she can get deals, I mean, just accidentally. And, you know, God, God has a way. God wants you to, to be blessed and, and, to, and not just survive this, this economic time, but to come to the top. God wants you to, come, to go to the top during this time, not just survive, not just get along, not just be satisfied with maintaining your job. At least I didn't get fired. No, he wants you to take over, not just not get fired, but move up. I've been saying that on Sunday mornings for a long time. Promotions, not just jobs, but better jobs. And the Spirit of God dealt real clearly with me on Monday about believing God for promotion. So take hold of it. It's a word from God for you. So, so take it. Amen. God, God has favor for us as a church. I won't have time to get into that tonight. But, you know, just as Christians, to favor us to favor us in this community as individual people and as a church. Favor us. Cause people who, who would otherwise not want to uh, uh, agree with us and be favorable. Just, you know, he says, I mean, we don't have any enemies, but even somebody that thinks they might want to be an enemy, God will bring them into a peaceful relationship, praise God. He's doing it. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I went over a few minutes. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.